So welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Hello, folks. We are here today uh, with a really special person for me. This is midwife Ali, and she was my home birth midwife and doula uh, nearly six years ago now. God, I know. That so is bizarre. It is bizarre. It is. I know. And it's, it's a, a funny thing, isn't it? Because you really... I mean, we'll get into this later, but you have such a connection mm-hmm. with your midwife mm-hmm. afterwards and you just like, can't believe they're not going to be in my life forever as my best friend. I know. Well, I'm a midwife because of the, my midwife. So Philomena Canning was my midwife. Really? Oh, right. Oh, lucky. I am a midwife because of the care I got from her. Really? So for sure, like I was always going to do midwifery, but then when I had Philomena um, care for me for two of my babies, that was it. Done. Oh, wow. How uh, did you find her? It was through, through name, word of mouth. She, okay. was, she was my friend's, um, she was attending my friend as a midwife. And uh, and, and I'd had home births before, but mm. then um, Philomena stepped into my life. And here I am. Wow. Uh, and how did she change your approach? What was it specifically that flicked a switch for you? If you were already planning on it, it why was, was it? Her, a... um, it was just, so so I'd had two babies with the community midwives in Hollis Street. And they're amazing. It's an amazing team. And, um, and, and it is a game changer for a lot of women in Dublin. Um but uh, my, my second baby was 10 and a half pounds. And as she was weighed, the midwife said, oh, you won't be having another home birth with Hollis Street. And I was like, mm, but I will have another home birth. And so a friend of mine then uh, was employing Philomena. And, okay. um, um, and that's if you sorry to explain that yeah. for folk like me without the yeah. kids and that un- the understanding. Why, if you go over a certain weight, they uh, don't allow you yeah, to? Yeah, so there's a lot of restrictions within okay. within um, um, the, the hospital. Cans, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, the can and cans, and um, and a ten and a half pound baby actually mm. ten. Uh, 10.7 or something so that was it so um so I knew that I wasn't even going to go down that route I was just going to go independent for the next baby and and the difference for me and you're going to hear me say this a lot a lot a lot (laughs) but the difference for me and it's fundamental to my practice is that when a woman knows her midwife (laughs) it changes birth it changes birth with the community midwives amazing really and there's some amazing midwives on that team um, but but women want to know who's walking in the door. Absolutely, so coming in the door when they're vulnerable in birth, um, and they want to know. And uh, and that for me as a woman, for me as a midwife, as a practitioner, is mm. is crucial. Well, sense so, of sense of threat during birth, I presume, is just anathema. Like in any way, shape. So strange faces. Yeah, but home birth <laughs> is based on trust. You yeah, know? I mean, so so when I get to know a family and go into relationship with a woman and family, uh-huh. um, and then when I walk in the door, and it's not me. I'm, there's no ego here. Let me tell you, there can't be ego in the work I do. But when a midwife that is known to a woman mm. walks in the door, she's here. I'm safe. Mm. Everything, everything changes. Okay. Everything changes when wow. a woman knows her midwife. So yeah. can we just go back a little bit? Mm-hmm. You worked to get to be a home birth midwife. Yeah. You have to work through the hospital system first, right? Mm-hmm. So you have been a hospital midwife yes, in Ireland for how many years? Tell us a little so bit about how you I, trained. After I had my babies, I, um, I knew I was going to be a midwife for many years before that. But after I'd had them, I knew this is what I was going to do. So in 2009, I went into UCD to do my degree in midwifery. And I, I trained within the National Maternity Hospital. Um, and once I'd finished my training there, I stayed for a little while. And then I went on into the Coombe and I stayed there for five years, working mainly in there. 
uh, labour ward delivery suite and then antenatally and then uh, postnatally and then into community. I was a community midwife there for, for over a year. But uh, Is that the standard transition? Is that kind well, of you like have to have a minimum of three years okay. post-registration um, in a hospital setting in this country to mm. do that. Now, it's not the same in our other European counterparts because they mm. can go straight out because whilst the training and the work is always good to... Um, to have a norm with um, the skills you learn in, in independent midwifery out in the community are different. It's, it's just a different... It's a different it's yeah. a, you know, the book stops with you um, and you, you need to be able to understand different things in the pelvis and, and moving the babies and moving the mothers and, um, and just more active birth. Mm. Um, so. And maybe the difference between empl- being employed and being self-employed or employee and self-employed and that sort of ability to take ownership of the entire thing. Yeah. There's huge responsibility yeah. and accountability, and yeah, um, um, with with the with with the mothers that I work with. So, um, so yes, um, being self-employed changes everything, and yeah. uh, being a self-employed community midwife changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> great job, sort of a great. I mean, amazing, but great risks um, and great vulnerability. Sure. And how do you stay out of the fear mindset within that? You were saying you were like doing a lot of Eckertal this week. Like I can. <laughs> it's the thing that I was thinking about this morning. So Lydia was saying yesterday. Finn, I've been here, I've done this thing, I know this lady lots, I want you to have lots of questions. I was like, well, oh, Jesus, I thought you were kind of in the driving seat for this series because pregnancy and birth is not my, not my sphere at all. But actually, as I came to kind of think about it, I was like, I mean, there's so much to ask. Like, how do you, I mean, I stand at the front of a shop where I sort of have responsibility for people and their livelihoods and things go wrong there. You know, there's certain amounts of things that can break and, and cause problems, genuinely people's livelihoods. But not their actual lives. I, yeah. I just don't know how I. So how for, do you so do there's that? so many levels to this, Finn. Okay, yeah. so so I, I come down to my basics all the time. I trust me. Yeah. I trust my practice, and I trust women. Mm. And I, I so I would only be caring for for women who are fit, healthy, well, one baby on board, no underlying medical conditions. In this country, still no gestational diabetes or um, or high BMIs. So, mm-hmm. so there's a, there's a, there's a few parameters. So I know that the women I'm caring for um, uh, have been, you know, they're very low risk. Deemed low risk. Yeah, that's yeah, the terms that okay. we use. So, um, so I, I know that. Then, then especially if I've been able to care for them a good bit during antenatal periods, that I get to know them. I get to know, like I always say to women, I get to know, like I. I know what your blood pressure is mm. on a normal day. I get to know your baby's heart rate on a, on, a, on a baseline so that if I come to you in birth or I come and there's deviations that I'm thinking, that's not normal for that baby or that's not normal for that mother. It's a knowing. Mm. So um, so how do I how do I sleep at night? Um, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. You know, it's a big thing. But I'm working a lot on, on so personally taking ego out of it. You know, cannot mm. be in this job if I'm going in from an egoic place, okay, mm. um, that uh, it is about stripping it away and coming in and dealing with what I can see, you know, what is the mother presenting with, um, and then um, trusting that my midwifery skills, my, my palpations, my um, all my midwifery skills are, are there. Mm. But so, so an interest, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because when you come to talk about birth, and certainly when I'm working with pregnant women and in active birthing workshops, this thing around fear comes up, and it's, and it's mm. natural because yeah. at that point of birth, the veil is thinnest. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are risks involved. That's the of reality of it. Yeah. But I feel like that fear thing has come in you know, exponentially since birth moved from like traditional home birth, because everyone just 
birthed at home that's yeah. where we did but we're in a field or whatever to the hospital and now now it's like oh birth yeah. You know, this terrifying thing where we hear the horror stories and you go in and then you have to have all these procedures and if you don't, everything's going to go wrong. And I think, like, in a way, part of it, I imagine, is going back to going, well, actually, no, hang on, women have been giving birth forever. <laughs> you know, this has been happening. Yes, and it was happening at home. Yeah, and it was but, happening but, without the experience But the difference of is, like is that it's so big now and the hospital settings are so big that the paradox is that they're going in to feel safer, mm-hmm. but actually it's 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 a not knowing. Women need to feel safe to give birth. Absolutely. So, so, you know, it's my absolute experience that they're coming in. I think studies have been done that a woman should meet something like five or maybe eight care providers from booking a pregnancy to, to being discharged postnatally. At the moment, in some of the Dublin hospitals, she would be meeting 70 different care providers. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, different days, different shifts, different clinics, different things. So. But it's only 39 weeks. I mean, like, how, what, how do you I'm, even... I'm not even kind of... 42? Yeah, 39, 42, 42 weeks or whatever. But, but, like, but she's not booking until she's week? about 12. Yeah, well, wow. that's true. So, yeah, okay. you know, especially if she's any... Um, wow. Any uh, huge uh, impact, you know, um, meetings in the hospitals. She would have about So it's a new person, new person, new person, every appointment. Right. So they so, only have the metrics to go on. Yes. Okay. But the baseline of birth mm. is knowing your midwife and trusting... Mm. Trusting the midwife. So I always explain to the mothers that so when we're meeting antenatally and we're sitting around their kitchens and we're getting to know each other and relationship is building is that when I come in that you trust that I'm there as your professional midwife and and I trust you to give birth. And when a woman feels safe and supported and knows her care provider, I'm going to keep saying it. It's going to be written there. Yeah. Magic happens, birth happens. Mm. Yeah. Physiological birth can happen. So so the fear, coming back to your question, Lydia, is that um yeah, there there is that like, but what if and it's so dangerous. When you go into a scenario where you're trying to birth a baby and you're feeling afraid, your hormones are different, your brain is still working from the neocortex, which is the front of it, and we want women women need to come out of their brains and come into their bodies to birth their babies. How can they do that? when their their adrenaline is running mm. and they're like who is this uh, and there is a please don't ever get me wrong my colleagues in the hospitals are doing an amazing job in an obstetric setting but how can a woman let go and give birth when there's irreverence happening and there's a lack of connection happening mm. it's a fundamental physiological state that we need to go into we can't do that yeah. and i think i remember reading grantley dick reed's book where he was like back in the day what so what sort of year was that i'm kind of 1950s not a lot of sleep (laughs) that's the last six years Um, (laughs) it's okay (laughs) Uh, so 1950s he was going around and observing women in different settings Mm. giving birth and he went into this one room in a kind of a poorer area of town it was kind of more like a shanty situation he went into this room where he'd been called to the sons of London right Mm. so woman was giving birth and she was in the corner she was a young mother first time and he was watching her and and she was just birthing, very relaxed. And afterwards he said to her, he didn't, he didn't seem to be afraid. And she said, oh God, was I meant to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, th- and that's like a, it kind of comes down to that yeah. really, doesn't it? It's like, mm. how have we been programmed? And mm. now what I'm hearing all the time, and I know that this is what I experienced myself when I was pregnant. Now I'd been doing this work before, so I was kind of primed mm. that I knew like I was like, I'm having a home birth and this is what I need and this is what I want, but still, you just hear everyone as soon as you get pregnant goes, 
oh Jesus, did you hear the yeah. story of my sister? Yeah. Well, you know, mm. she split open and seventy hundred babies pulled out. Yeah. And, you know, and you're like, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. women love to tell and um, tell the, the negative stories. Humans but do. I mean, that's humans do. Yeah. So we are predisposed to going into that kind of pain, mm. that negative side. Mm. But I mean, when I'm caring for women, or even in the clinics, when I met them, when I was working for one of the, you know, in the coom, that um, I'd say. Please stop those people in their tracks and say, you need to stop telling me that story. That's a, that's a very strange thing that you're trying to do to me, is scare me. And then I always encourage them on YouTube, around watching positive birth mm. stories, watching hypnobirthing, water birthing. Even if you don't want to be birthing in water, watch it. Watch the peace, watch the calm, watch the in control. Um, and you're talking, uh, so your question again is like, you know, why is this huge fear around birth? Um, it is it is to come back for the women to, to come back and if when you meet women and they want that physiological birth and they're the the the, the first time moms are saying you know I really want to do it myself and I'm going to try and do it with an either, either an epidural and I'm going to try when they reach the very busy hospitals they're so vulnerable they've reached their possibly the most vulnerable state that they've ever been in their life and then they're met with not knowing and uh, um uh, and then and then the cascade of interventions can happen at that point mm. really to birth physiologically and to give yourself the best chance of a physiological birth is to know your midwife i'm really interested in starting a campaign um, and we have it on our hse cards like who's your midwife know your midwife build up relationship mm. with your midwife and that will so in a hospital it. setting can people do that no they just can't absolutely so it not. has to be home birthing if they don't want to do that well, yeah, I mean, for, what, the, for those who can't, who have gestational diabetes, for those get like a that, doula. Okay, get it. Okay, so now, there's a doula is, still an is not a registered midwife, and, okay. and she cannot um, hold any kind of uh, clinical practice over the mother once she comes into the hospital. But it's about so it's about knowing that woman and bringing a safety person with you. And okay. I don't mean safety that the hospitals are bad, but please don't get me wrong in this. The hospitals are needed, and they're 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 my colleagues, and mm. and I want to work in collaboration with them very very much. But for a woman who needs to attend for some reason in her pregnancy um, into the hospital to have a baby is, is definitely um, build up a relationship with the doula and have that doula come in with you. So in your moments of vulnerability, even though she, she can't be your clinical care provider, there should be a bit of a collaboration and a dance between the midwife and the doula, hopefully. Mm. Um, and also they take the doula, the doula is like your advocate, right? Yeah. And so what I'm always talking about in active birth workshops is like at that stage, like you were saying, the last few weeks of pregnancy, you want, like I'm always going, don't drive, don't make decisions, just mm. get into that like space where you're like, you can see it on people's faces yeah. when they're up to, I know when they're in my class yeah. and they're like, oh, you know, 38 weeks yeah. and you know, I don't think it's happening. And you're like, no, no, it's yeah. happening. Yeah. Or they're 40 weeks and they're like, it's probably going to happen today. And you're like, no, 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 yeah. no, it isn't. <laughs> it, you see it on their face. Everything goes kind of soft and slack and the mm. eyes are a bit fuzzy and they've gone into that place where everything's slow and you're just kind of. I don't know, you're flowing, like flowing with around. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to, but you can't be in that place if you're in that decision. Mm. You know, mm. I've got to go here, I've got to pack the hospital bag, I've got to look after the kids, I've got to do the things. Mm. You know, and so when you get to the hospital, the last thing you want that mum to be doing is going, oh, hey, um, no, I actually don't want an epidural, or please, can I have. Because yeah, you're engaged in what is called the, ne the neocortex. And the neocortex Absolutely. is thinking when the neocortex mm. is engaged, then then things are felt much more acutely. So yeah, pain, pain is felt mm -hmm. more acutely, okay? okay? And mm -hmm. then when you have people engaging hugely on a neocortex level, um, and then and then by the nature of their language and their body language telling you, ooh, you're in a lot of pain, oh, that looks really difficult, oh, you're really tired, or oh, you've been doing this for ages, or the mother thinks I'm making a lot of noise, mm -hmm. you know, which is normal, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that the trust goes and yeah. then... 
Or even yeah. someone just saying to you, do you want pain relief? Yeah. Like if you've just been in this space where you're like, okay, I'm doing this thing. Someone's saying to you when you're in birth, because everything takes on this whole different magnitude when you're in labor. Mm. Someone's saying, do you need, you think, they think I need it. They're yeah. trying to say to me yeah. that I do need oh, it. They're saying sure. that this is going to go on for ages and ages. And then you spin that out. That is what a woman would hear. I am not coping. Yeah. If somebody says, do you want pain relief? The woman hears, I'm not coping. They I'm think I coping. can't cope. So, mm. and it's, it's, it's not, it's just the run of the mill language that happens yeah. in a hospital setting. Mm. And those midwives, you know, they might be caring for three women on that corridor. Okay, that day. was going to ask that actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so literally their shift is going from one to the next. I mean, like how long do they spend with you at a time? Okay. Or how so does to that answer go? your questions, when we were talking about the amount of uh, care providers that might yeah. need a woman is because it's shift work. Okay. So, yeah. so uh, my colleagues in the hospital work so hard. Mm. They work 13 hour shifts, sometimes four of those a week. Okay. So they're, they're gone from their homes by six or half six and they're not home till about half nine at night and they will have not stopped for 13 hours on the ward. Um, so within that, then they, they might, it's chronically short staffed. We have a maternity strategy that's not been implemented. We have a recruitment that is below par completely Mm. in the hospitals and, um, they might have to care for three different women. So they're popping in and out of the rooms, popping their heads around, checking things. So when a woman needs that one-to-one care and somebody to look her in the eyes and say, I have you, mm. you've got this, mm. I've got you. Um, they're not getting that. And, mm. and not through the default of the midwife, but the default of the system. Okay, mm. so and so do, do all women, would you say, listening to this, or maybe not listening to this in Ireland, do they know what a doula is? Have they got access to it? Um, so, so, so some women might know what a doula is. I think it's had great um, exposure over the past few years. Um, maybe gone into a little bit of quiet decline again at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that word is out there. But, but why I'm here today is that women don't know what a midwife is. Okay. They don't know that I. Um, I'm part of a tribe of midwives that work for the HSE. We're okay. an amazing tribe. We all have each other's backs and it's the most beautiful working arrangement that I have with these midwives. And we are we were on the free HSE home birth service. So that's a really well, clear, really important point, I think, because what I think a common misconception is that from what I hear from women telling me, if they want to have a home birth midwife, that this midwife is some kind of hippie woman who lives in the hills who mm. maybe does or doesn't have some medical knowledge and then she comes in and it's all a bit radical and mm. like craziness can yeah. happen but it, i mean you work for the hsc right? so so we are all um degree trained qualified midwives registered with our awarding body of the nmbi um we do yearly um professional development courses like so we are always in doing our neonatal resuscitation our basic life support um, anything that that um, is 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 needed for our HSE registration that we do. So we're highly qualified registered midwives. We are professionals, mm-hmm. um, and we we work for the HSE. And we um, so I mean, some of us, you know, speaking that we'll we'll have homeopathy, we'll have acupuncture, we'll have all of these complementary. Well, actually, they're just midwifery. They're yeah. they're just midwifery, and they come. We come together as this package. But but yeah, we're regi- highly mm. highly qualified registered. How many are of you? Are, are, how many of you are there? Well, we were doing Ireland? the we were doing the numbers the other day. We think there's twenty seven in the whole of Ireland. That's it. Mm. Oh, that's it. Um. So there's Whoa. about eight of us working kind of the Leinster area at the moment. Um. So um. The north side of Dublin is kind of heavily weighted. Um, there's only two of us working south side of Dublin at the moment. Um, and then there's Kildare, Port Leash, 
the Cork midwives have a fantastic mm. uh, um, set up. They're very linked with, with the Cork hospital there. Now, okay. I'm not talking about the Hollis Street midwives. They are, okay. They're not part yeah, yeah. of our numbers. I'm with you. We are self-employed community midwives. Yeah. They're, they're dominant midwives of the Hollis Street. Okay. Um, and then go, the West of Ireland have a very, very few midwives working, I think. Um, Limerick... Um, and um, go away though none and why do people choose you versus choose the domino situation um so uh hollow street midwives only work up as far as little bray so that's okay. before you go over the bridge and before bray, I, I go yeah, yeah. That oh yeah that okay. My ah, okay. okay okay so okay. they would care for the catchment area there but it's geographically like okay. it, it is it is um, restrictive. it is restrictive okay, okay. so if i think ballantier down to bray that's it rings end ballantier down that okay. kind of loop okay uh-huh um, and then any woman after that, this is this has been my issue. I've been chatting to a really good friend of mine who's uh, one of the community midwives in Hollow Street, and I'm saying, why are you midwives still not promoting home birth with the women that because they're seeing them in clinics in Bray, yeah. Newtown, Wicklow, Greystones, they're seeing them in these clinics. Tell them about this choice. So, so, mm. so I'm really passionate this week. It's like, why are women not being told of a ve- of a clinically and evidence based care pathway that mm. is their choice? And it's like we are the best kept secret in in the country is the us HSE midwives. It's oh, like, yeah. why? So so tell me this. The question that comes up every time is, is home birth as safe as hospital birth? And people don't opt for home birth because of the fear that if something goes wrong, mm. some terrible tragedy, that you're being irresponsible somehow by choosing home birth. Okay, so, so I'm going to bring you through two things, okay? Firstly, I'm going to discuss that the studies are all there. Mm-hmm. There's new studies out there. There's the birthplace study. Um, the, the studies are there. They're online. You, you can just Google or put into your search um, home birth versus hospital birth in Europe or Britain or, or Ireland, and the studies are going to come up, okay? Um, they're mainly British studies um, that will be working off that will be comparable with us here. Um, and the studies are saying that home birth is comparable and equal to hospital birth. Um, that there's, there's um, we would might have a higher transfer rate maybe for first time mothers mm-hmm. uh, for, for just different reasons. Um, but but the statistically and clinically, it is as safe as hospital birth. Okay, you have a lower chance of um, epidural rate. You have a lower chance of episiotomy. You have a lower risk of um, instrumental delivery and a lower risk of cesarean section okay mm-hmm. what we have is a higher instance of um, uh, vaginal delivery um, and a higher instance of uh, breastfeeding our breastfeeding rates are like 99 percent and, and really the, the only reasons a mother wouldn't go on to breastfeed is for choice you know she yeah. didn't choose to you don't have to breastfeed if you have a home birth and what you don't na- have to have a water birth if you want a home birth and what would be the national average for that if it's 99 for you guys oh our breastfeeding rate yeah go on oh so I, really, I can't I it's, it's really low. really it's like, low it's like, it's like our voting rate it's like is i it, should is it know 50, this it? but it's about because I, I i just it just drives me crazy so i don't remember the statistic i'm mm. going to say something like it's something like 20 to 30 percent yeah. are discharged but that means nothing two days later yeah. actually they still will be combined feeding okay. because because wow. they'll have been given formula milk mm. in the hospitals for sure um i i know this wow. is um, still and, happening. and why are you managing to get women to breastfeed who wouldn't otherwise be breastfeeding well, they're or, or already how, how invested that? okay yeah. so, are they invested because they're invested in the idea of, is, yeah. is, is that because this whole paradigm of of home birthing is unfortunately only accepted and invested in by a certain class of folk a certain like educational like is there educational yeah, barriers so about once what, again, what's going on so I mean Philomena Canning once said and it's so true is the middle class women hmm. brought birth into the hospitals so it's like that they wanted the better they wanted the doctors so they brought and they were they were then ill advised they were brought 
birth was brought into hospital mm-hmm. by middle class women. Mm-hmm. And I and she said it, and I believe her still, that it's the middle class women that will bring birth right, out of again. the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's not necessarily true from what I'm seeing. The women that okay. I care for are just regular women in a, homes all around the place. I mean, mm-hmm. I visit homes that are just regular homes, regular women, just getting on with their regular lives, choosing to birth at home. Um, so the breastfeeding is because they're invested. Yeah. But I just want to go back to one point about safety, and this is really, mm. really important. I know I, I said about our registration and our um, our education, but um, so so knowing that home birth is based on trust, that we get to know women, we get to know their babies. Um, I am never going to put, or nor are my colleagues going to put, any mother, baby, or my own livelihood and registration on the line for home birth at any cost. So by knowing the women and by being professionally trained midwives, we are always anticipating events. Mm. Um, so, so birth, it's a risky business. Birth is birth. Mm. Um, but but um, so we can never, we call it a planned home birth and um, we can never learn anything in life. Mm. Um, but by knowing what we're doing, anticipating events, by doing our, carrying out our midwifery practice to its highest um level is that um, we are anticipating any event. So we would transfer into hospitals. Mm. We work in collaboration with the Dublin maternity hospitals or, you know, the, the, the maternity hospitals. So with any issues that are arising yeah. in birth, we go to hospital. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're then going there's, a hospital, there's ambulances on standby. Right? Oh, yeah. So when, I'm, when I book a mother, uh, we do out the forms, we fill out an ambulance control form. That ambulance control form gets processed and the mother's information gets put on the database early on in her pregnancy. When I come to her in birth, um, I will usually do one examination just to, to, to see if she's in established labour. Am I going to stay? Am I going to call a second midwife? Am I going to ring ambulance control and put them on? When I ring them and put them on call for a home birth, that mother and baby get the first ambulance that's available. Okay. Because there's two humans. Yeah. Yeah. And we usually have an ambulance transfer within a really, really short space of time into the hospital. Um, and because I would be anticipating events, then, then there, it's usually no big drama, you know, it's a slow transition into the hospital yeah. um, that, that happens. It's not a big emergency uh, that happens. And what would be your percentage of transfers, hospital transfers, do you say? Well, um, I, so last year I cared for 20 mothers and babies just from May through. I've been, I've been really busy right. um, and uh, I, I think I only transferred in one mother. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and then so, another mother yeah. transferred in because she needed more... Um, uh, more more suturing stitches than I okay. than I um, I felt was right to do. She needed she okay. needed better suturing. But you do the suturing as well at home. But yeah, home, yeah, we suture we suture first and second degree tears um, okay. with lignocaine and I've gas and air and and all, all of that those stuff. Things, all of that. Yeah, stuff. so a lot of that hospital associated maybe setup or medical setup mm. is is there as well. Yeah. Oh, it's there. You know, I mean, so women would choose or not to choose to to birth to labour and birth in water. Um, but I carry Entinox gas and air. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and the, but because the women are invested, and usually have done active birth workshops, and are invested, I'm really wishing and hoping that they're going to have a physiological birth. They give themselves the best, the best chance of a physiological birth with all of their hormones flowing, with the midwife, with the water, with the entinox uh, in, in their yeah. home setting. And I think the thing is, is what I'm always saying to women: if you're preparing for a home birth, I mean, it's like with anything. 
you know, and I'm always bringing it back to like a driving test, but mm. you don't go and do your driving test when you haven't done any lessons first. Like you do yeah. some preparation. Of course, when it comes down to it, you don't know what's going to happen yeah. on the day. Like maybe another car comes too fast or maybe you get freaked out or whatever those things are. But the thing is, is you want to go into birth having done your absolute best so that you know that whatever comes up, you have some toolkits there. And when you're coming into home birth, you need to have a toolkit. Yeah. And your midwife's going to have a toolkit of all of her mm. skills and maybe homeopathy and maybe all the different things. But you as a mother, come into it having known birthing positions having known breath practices having known visualizations having a mood board having a supportive birth partner you know acupressure points massage points heat packs tens machine there's a whole load of natural there is but what i was saying to you lydia earlier is that so women uh, through the care of yourself and the yoga teachers and the antenatal teachers and all of that they're doing all of this work and it's so important but then when they rock into a hospital where they're not known, nor do they know their care provider, mm-hmm. it's my experience that that falls deep into vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And then the midwife thinks I'm tired. The midwife thinks I'm not mm-hmm. coping. Oh, my God, I'm not able to do this. And there's where there's where it all ends. Mm-hmm. Every downward dog, upper dog, figure of eight, yeah. hit your hips. Yeah. But you have to be very strong, I think, as well, to to stay in that place when you hit a hospital setting Mm. you know to put your yoga mat down on the floor and be like no hang on here i don't want continuous fetal monitoring i'm going to get down on the floor and i'm going to be doing my moving and i think because automatically what they're wanting is and it you know it's not even out of any badness it's just like Mm -hmm. hundreds of women coming in and out they want you on the bed lying on your back legs open so they can come in and go What's going on there? Ah, yeah, on to the next one. What's going on there? For sure. Well, so why did it become... So Lydia, one of the things Lydia's told me is that, like, birthing on your back, it narrows the space for the baby to pass, right? Yeah. So wh- of... wh- why did it ever turn into lying on your back? Because it was one of the kings in England wanted okay. to see his children being born. Is that so it? Ba- yes. Um, ridiculous. So I can't remember what? which king he was. Do I need to know? <laughs> so Fine. We won't touch um, He wanted to... <laughs> George uh, William, one of them. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to be able to see his children being born. Seriously? So, yeah, and so then the women, the, his queens, were put up on their backs so he could see it. Um, uh, so it's kind I, of I a patriarchal wrong, thing. Like, uh, oh, for thing. sure, yeah. yeah. But yeah, also, I, I mean, really it's like a hospital setting. Wow. Like mm. a doctor can come in and he's not having to get down to on his hands and knees and look in between someone's heads. Like... There it is. But from a safety point of view, there is actual safety metrics around like birthing on, on all fours is safer, correct? Well, it's I don't know whether it's safer, okay. but it just it's, makes more sense. It makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, it will open the pelvis. Yeah. It will allow gravity to work. Yeah. It will um, allow, in my opinion, allow the woman to curl in yeah. so she's private because she does you makes don't sense. Need you're not this. just exposed to all this yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. also the tailbone moves mm. up and out mm. right if you're lying on your back where can that tailbone go nowhere so it's still stuck there in that mm. cavity of the pelvis mm-hmm. so there's less space there but also like a major contradiction i find is that women come in you know they're pregnancy yoga and there comes to shavasana and then you're like if you're still comfortable lying on your back and they're like oh no 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 because i can't lie on my back at all after i'm 20 weeks because you know some terrible things i've been told i can't and then suddenly you're in labor and they're like now lie on your back there for hours and hours with your heavily pregnant belly yeah, they're kind like, of in a semi-recumbent position yeah. so they're not lying flat but, but yeah. i do get a lot of calls from my clients saying oh i woke up this morning and i was, I was on my back. back it's like you've got to you do have to trust that place that you know your body will find the right well, it's like you yeah. will be moved out of that position in your sleep like you will respond to your baby when mm. it's born it, it's um, you know you get a fierce Some... thump from a <laughs> foot inside yeah, or yeah. you start feeling dizzy yeah, of course like you're if, the, over. if your oxygen you know yeah, if the phenocave cave so. is getting compressed you know like it's not like you lie there going no. oh, i'm feeling great you do know about it yeah so so tell me about your uh your relationship into to lydia's birth 
like how how did that go was that like did that transition very normally how like was it was it was there any sort of outstanding or irregular, irregular Do you want my perspective or yours so <laughs> I know I was mine, thinking I, I was just I was I'm curious about yours because I've heard a little bit of hers okay. I've never heard it so from anybody else mine, who's in the room see, do, they, yeah. do they match yeah. it's yeah. always very interesting because mm. I requested my birth notes for some of my babies and I was like whoa I didn't know that happened so we go into a very fuzzy place after our births sure well um uh, I met Lydia as a, as a doula, more as a doula capacity. I was a registered midwife at the time, but I was still, I hadn't uh, gone, I was just um, transitioning to working in the coom. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lydia was booked with one of uh, my colleagues who's not working in the practice anymore. That's the hard work sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying Anita that it's not hard, it is, it was re- it's really hard work. Um, and uh, so, but so so my memories of it are, are just a woman who was invested in her birth and mm. that um, and that she was going to, to birth there and the strength and the you know so so once again I'll say like when a woman is working hard and she's vulnerable she needs to look at her care mm. providers and say you got me you know you're trusting me I so I can trust me to do mm. this piece mm-hmm. and that's what that's what Lydia did she's I a trusting did. type luckily I suppose yeah but yeah. she knew she was invested mm. in and so so that 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 hard work or that laboring um she was there so yeah. so my role was just purely as a supportive role okay. to witness and to support and to say yeah come on you know okay, here's yeah. another one here's another one so um well so i wasn't there at, at the birth itself okay, okay. Um, i was i was uh, there for all of that oh so you yeah. weren't her midwife you were no, i had i had uh, I met lydia mm-hmm. uh, prior to the birth and kind of we built okay. up a relationship that when i arrived then we were already in relationship okay yeah. I wanted to have a doula as well because I felt like it gave Anita, who was my midwife, Mm. um, it gave her the capacity to just go, okay, now I'm just focusing Mm. on the the doing and the practicalities of let's make sure that everything's safe and yada, yada. But it meant that having a doula as well, like I was able to, I mean, when you came in, Mm. I remember I was, so at that point I had started shaking and I had got to that place where and that had happened very quickly so it did from the first contraction I didn't have that slow build up mm. of contraction rest it just went bang 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 back to back contractions so that all happened within the space of an hour and mm. we had known that like once the woman can't talk between contractions and everything maybe she gets the shakes or maybe she's really spaced out that we've been told like and then you call your midwife yeah. but I was still thinking like it's my first baby it's probably going to take three days you know yeah and so I was like maybe this is just pre-labor and I actually I don't know that this is the real labor and in my head I was going oh, oh Jesus like mm. if this is just pre-labor like this is fully intense wow. but anyway Dom had called Anita and she said, oh, she's shaking. Oh, oh okay. No, mm-hmm. I think this is actually happening. We've got to get over here. And you live just down the road from me. So we called you too. And I remember you walking in and I had been sitting on the okay. sofa with Dom and he'd been supporting me. And he was starting to get tired because he'd been like physically holding really me. Holding and, you, yeah. Really holding me. And I remember you came job. in and you just sat on the edge of the sofa and I sat literally on your lap yeah. and you held me from under here. Um, and I stayed there for yeah. ages, mm-hmm. but it was that, like, it was mm. like, and I was, I was only talking about this with Dom this morning, was saying, like, although, like, Ruben's dad had done, I mean, you couldn't have a more supporting birth partner. He, he had read everything, he because I'd been through all my training while yeah. I was pregnant, so yeah. he had read every book, oh, he'd seen every so... hundred birth videos, you know, all the different things, like, he was invested. But as a woman, you really just want women. 
Like I, it just there's just this thing, and you came in. It was like, okay, yeah. and then you'd had your four babies. Yeah. You knew, and there's something about knowing. Like you were like, I remember you just saying to me, I know. I know. <laughs> I just remember you yeah. so clearly but saying to me, you I know. That, that allows yeah. you to be, doesn't mm-hmm. it? When when somebody says, I know. It's mm-hmm. like the, there's no taking or giving mm-hmm. from that. It's like, I see you. I know. I know where you're at. Um, yeah, oh, it's a few things came up for me there. was, um, oh, what was it? Oh, the women thing. Because I remember when I was birthing my babies. So um, my children's out. It was a really amazing birth partner as well. But I remember thinking, that next time I'm just doing that with women do you know it was like I I just the power of that feminine energy that's really interesting and I'm not disparaging any of the birth partners out there there's it's so important to have them mm. there to have them invested and when a woman is vulnerable and she looks into her love's eyes mm. and, and 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 he reflects or she reflects come on but the power of that feminine mm. energy that comes in when birth when women are birthing it can be can be it's really so profound. powerful. Yeah, and I think mm. you know I think it is useful to talk. So my so I had a home birth. I still I would say it's, I had a home birth and mm-hmm. I had home birth care the whole way through. You know, and that thing of knowing my midwife with Anita, you know, it was really crucial. She knew my house. Mm-hmm. She knew my setup. She knew my partner. She knew my baby's heart rate. Yeah. Like Ruben had had a very steady heart rate. It was yeah. the same every appointment. She knew my blood pressure. Yeah. All those kinds of things, mm-hmm. and that. That was really key because I was like, I trust her. I also knew she'd been and she'd like worked to the midwife in Africa, right out in the bush on her own, miles from anywhere, mm-hmm. with women who were really, you know, malnourished. A lot of them had AIDS. Some of them had walked for six hours to get to, you know. Whoa. I was like, well, hang on. If she can, <laughs> like, I am <laughs> yeah. safe. Yeah. In this. Like, that's how I felt. I was like, I'm here in my nice home, just hospital down the road, mm. like, hot grand, water on top, hot water. we've got a bathroom, but this is a midwife who knows her skills, you and know, that's, like, yeah. she trusted her skills, but there were a couple of things in my birth that happened that weren't, like, completely smoothy textbooks, so when I got, when my body started pushing, it turned out that I was only nine centimetres dilated, and I started bleeding, mm-hmm. and I remember Anita said, now, we have to try, you have to stop the yeah. labour now, you have to slow it down. And she was like, it's going to be really hard, but that has to happen because otherwise your cervix is going to swell mm-hmm. and it's going to be really hard for the mm-hmm. baby to move through. And I just lay on my side Remember, on the sofa. I went back. into this meditation mm. thing. And my memory, it's interesting talking to like Anita and Dom and now you from the outside. So in my head, I was like, my memory of my whole birth was that I was very loud and very vocal. And afterwards, everyone was like, you are so silent. Yes. And I was like, what? I was silent. Like, really? In my head, I was like making a lot, like I was a roaring noise. And apparently, I, women say that all the time. They think, and I'm like, no, because so what I say to women about birth is that if, yes, you're making this very, this noise that's going, ah, ah, that's pain and that's out of control. Mm-hmm. But birth is, oh, it's, good oh, okay. it's lower. Yes, but it's not noisy. No. It's, it's a vibration to it. Like a cow lowing, but it's this lower noise. But women think, God, I was so noisy. No. It's interesting. It's so interesting. But there's different noises that I would know that if a woman was making them, I'd be like, okay, Mm. we've got to go on some homeopathy here or something. We've got to bring her back down into her body. And I do a lot of kind of voice. I mimic how the noises that will bring groundedness Mm. and peace to it. Um, Mm. And and those noises are good. Like the vibration of of sound mm. you know we do it in yoga with chanting just yeah. when you're not giving birth it relaxes all the tissues in the body and then also there's that thing about the lower the jaw, jaw and the pelvic floor and yeah. you know you see it in sheep in the farm or cows yeah. giving birth they're all 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing that. Yeah, it's that's meditative, stuff. isn't it? it when, is. they, when they have that humming sound mm. coming through the body, it, it brings it back into a meditative space. Oh. So, um, but sorry to bring it back. So yeah. I to bring it back to your birth. To bring it back to my birth, yeah. just because I think it's, it's important, important for people to hear that you can have a home birth. Things yeah. can go not in a textbook way, but mm. it still turns out great because the support system is there. I have that's never the met a woman. So I've transferred a few a few mothers in my care for different for different reasons. I know I said one, but now I'm kind of thinking, oh no, we did transfer. Or I've had to meet mothers in the hospital. So let's say the waters have gone too long um, and they fell out of kind of my insurance criteria to 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 be with them at birth or or different things. Um, you know, one gestational GBS positive and one um, baby that was deemed a bit small on scan but then i get to transfer into the hospital with those mothers i get to go in so i might meet them um in the hospital when they've done a couple of hours already and um i think this is the point that when i come in that that i meet them what was the point that we were just making i was there? saying that there can there can be things that don't go textbook oh, in yeah. home birth but it's still oh it's still home birth because i go in and i'm with them then mm. in birth mm. um and then and then i get to see them as and i leave then just you know within an hour after their baby's born but i get to then go back to their home the next mm. day they get discharged back to my care and you come home and okay, then yeah. it's still so uh even when i was having my babies and uh and i and i have this conversation with women all the time home birth is not about the birthday no it's about the package it's about the knowing the trusting the relationship um, and it's about that whole thing. Even though we get so fixated on the day of the birth and how am I going to go and how will I know and what's it going to be like and how will I cope? Um, until you've transitioned through that portal, then you'll see that actually the home birth package is from booking to final visit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you and you come, you know, that was the thing, like Anita came back every day for two weeks. And that, I mean, that is just, it is so crucial. You're really, you're so vulnerable at that stage mm. and you don't have a clue. Yeah. Like even for me, you know, and I've done millions of bits of training, yeah. but the postnatal bit is just, it's like not focused on. It's, it's just like be mothered and midwifed mm. and, and then to be reminded, stay in bed. You know, yeah. I know that you want to go out and I no, no, like, you know, I, I, I kind of come in there with that mothering role of mm. like, you know, I need to see you in bed when I come and, and then don't forget, you know, even at week two, I'll say, Get up, do your things, go for your walk, do whatever. Go back to bed between three and five every afternoon. It's this allowing the mother to be. I met two postnatal doulas yesterday and we were saying, you know, it's so important that the women allow this kind of baby moon, this fourth mm. trimester. And mm. that's also what midwives and postnatal doulas do. It's like allowing and especially for women who've been running very busily in their lives and running companies and running departments of offices and whatever, to sit under a baby is a huge whole new skill that they don't know. That, and they, and they, you think vulnerability in birth, they think, oh, I have this human and I, I, you know, and yet I was used to going off to Dundrum or going to the gym or going and now it's to allow them. It's to give them, let them give themselves permission to sit and that's where a midwife, a midwife comes in. Okay, yeah, and yeah. to just say like, to be in that place of like, it's okay to be crying. Yes. It's okay to be feeling vulnerable. It's okay to feel those feelings. You're not supposed to suddenly feel competent yeah. and capable and like, whoop, got this mothering oh, business. No, like it's not. God. It's not that. I've got teenagers. I still don't have this mothering no. business. <laughs> it morphs all the time. Yeah. But you do feel even like there's just little things. Like so, I taught with Ruben. Um, I had second degree tests. I think I had six stitches. Mm. 
just to clarify that as a thing because I'm going to clarify your six stitches oh yeah okay so so the stitches are never just an amount it's, yeah they're they're one piece of thread mm. from the inside from the top of where that tear started down to the bottom and then up the skin so it's one continuous stitch okay. but women are told because they want an or, or somebody says oh you've just had a few it's it's just one yes. and we can talk about this again it's weird but, but they yeah. do give you a number because i'm like that I, I wouldn't have asked about it like, yeah i know I, oh, and it's, like it's, a, it's, it's I was six told, actually like, measurements in centimeters then or six no, millimeters no, or what are they doing six stitches i don't know where that <laughs> came from six is a little and i think it's we not, don't think and so a second it's like a one to ten thing yeah okay yeah, 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 a medium, a medium, and you don't feel so bad then, no. I suppose. Maybe the doctor was Maybe doing her favourite. I mean, I, did, I think I had two fears going into birth. One was postpartum hemorrhage, mm. and one was tearing. Okay. Those are my two fears. And I remember the only thing that I was fearful about in home birth was the postpartum hemorrhage, yeah. and how would that be managed in a home birth situation? So I think actually it would be nice, because I know that people often say to me, but... Yeah, but the well, home birth is so dangerous because if you bleed out, they're not there and they don't have the blood and they can't do the transfusion. Can I answer that for you now? So we'll do those two. They're very important questions yeah. that mothers always ask me. So when you're birthing physiologically at home and all your hormones are working in their absolutely, their, their most organic state, I can't guarantee you that there isn't going to be a hemorrhage won't happen. Okay. But when you have a well, healthy, uh, fit mother, um, who's been eating well and on her nettle tea and has a really good hemoglobin iron level and she's births physiologically it's very unusual for her to have a very big bleed that's mm. the first thing second thing is we carry all the drugs we need for bleeding okay so when a mother is booked but we're having huge issues with gps in this country at the moment it seems to be slightly illegal but they're not caring for mothers in pregnancy or having home birth we won't go there on this podcast. Mm. Um, but now we've, we've uh, through a lot of hard work, women are being given a prescription. On that prescription is the bleeding drugs. I'm going to call them bleeding drugs. They're syntosinone, um, syntometrin, okay, or ergometrin. So if I, if you, when you birthed, there is on visual amount of, of blood that I would th deem as normal. If I felt that there were, you were trickling or there was, there was too much blood going on, I will, with your consent, but because we have a huge trusting relationship, I'm going to, offer you which i will i know did that but i mean it um an injection in the thigh that is a uh, uterotonic and it's going to re help release the placenta shut down the uterus and stem any extra bleeding that happens if you were then going to hemorrhage so a hemorrhage is anything 500 mils or more mm -hmm. okay in in our european countries it's a thousand mils but here it's very um, oh, modest yeah so um then i will call the ambulance okay um, I will rub up contractions on my colleague. That's why we have two midwives now at each home birth since we signed the MOU. Um, uh, we have two, two midwives there. We will cannulate you, put in fluids and give you those extra drugs that we have. Okay, that's what happens with mm -hmm. the bleeding. I mean, if you were to have a massive hemorrhage, it's from whatever birth goddesses protect us. We don't, ha we don't have that uh, in hospital or haven't had it to date, any major hemorrhages. Um, we might have 500 mils, 600 mils, and we're thinking, we've got to transfer in for that. Mm. Is the mother symptomatic? How does she look? Is her heart rate up? You know, things that we know about in our midwifery, that, oh, she's symptomatic, we call it. We're calling an ambulance. You're gone. You know, we're mm. not going to mess around with you or your mm. baby or our registration for bleeding. So we carry all the drugs. Mm. We carry all the cannula things. We put a catheter into your bladder. We do everything that will be done in a hospital setting is we are we do at home and then mm. we transfer you in for extra care that's the first one 
Does that answer the yes. leading question? The second mm-hmm. one is the tearing. Every mother, nobody wants to tear their vagina. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really? Okay. Except I'm going to say a few things. So the vaginas heal amazingly, okay? Mm. You know, vaginas are amazing. I mean, I always say to my clients when I'm doing kind of parent craft or chatting to them, it's like, really, you know, penises don't stay large and really huge when, they're, you know, men are walking around the world. Yeah. Women's vaginas also have this huge ability yeah. to become back to their original state, maybe not the the original state, but but they're not going to stay big like, yeah. you know, 10 centimeter vaginas yeah. as you're walking around the place. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Mother nature fixes it all. Um, 98% of first time mothers will have some form of trauma to their perineum. That means a tear. Mm. Okay. Um, so I have lots of chats about perineums with my colleagues. So, so we are uh, my Italian colleagues that I worked with in the Coom, I mean, the Italians are all over perineal massage yeah. because they can say vagina and they can touch their own vaginas, but the Irish, you know, counterparts are a little bit more coy maybe about their vaginas. Even though we inherited our Catholicism from them, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. oh, right. that's so Strange. funny. Oh, yeah, but they're all into love and it's interesting, isn't vaginas it? and perineal massage. Yeah, they don't yeah. have, no, no, well, the Irish are you. The hang-ups, we are, yeah. It, it is definitely, oh, yeah. like, even if, like, I try to say vagina a yeah. lot. Like, yeah. it's, I'm just trying to say vagina in mm. classes as often as I possibly can. And you see people like, I know. Oh, she mm. said vagina. So and in perineal massage, I would say, even if you don't do the perineal massage, know where your vagina is. Mm. Do you know? Know that when you touch it, that's what it feels like or when that stretching sensation comes down. So perineal massage can be hugely beneficial Mm. to vaginas, okay? Or not. Other than that, put in oils, drinking your hemp oil or your Udo's oil, taking in the oils into your bodies and your vitamin C's help. If you have good skin integrity, but you know, if you oil from the inside, and if you don't want to oil from the outside, oil from the inside, Mm. you're going to have some form of trauma, most likely. When that head sweeps down through past, you know, past the back passage and up, and sometimes little babies come out with their hands, you know, they're just going to bust through. Mm. I know that sounds, but you have so much catechins and oxytocin, you've birthed physiologically at home. All of the hormones are there to stop that being a very, very yeah. traumatic feeling. Tissues yeah. are naturally going to be as relaxed like, as they like, can. It was my yeah, biggest yeah, fear. Valuable. It was the only thing yeah. I was frightened of. Yeah. And I told, I didn't have any awareness of tearing. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel it. No, you don't because like it's nothing. so stretched and if you've mm. allowed that oxytocin to reach down and get into that place rather than that Valsalva pushing that might happen mm. with an epidural and in a hospital setting, in a physiological home birth, you're going to get the right amount of hormones there mm. that do that. Um, so you will either have a first degree, which is just basically, you know, the skin here. And sometimes that just will heal itself. As I said, mm-hmm. the vagina is amazing. And sometimes a second degree tear will go in deep there. And that's what you were saying about your six stitches, mm-hmm. that it will go in deep, but just kind of the muscle and the mucosa layer. I carry lignocaine. It's the stuff the dentist gives you. It's great in vaginas. <laughs> I will give you 20 mils of that um, and give you the gas and air. And we just suture the baby. Your body is full of endorphins and oxytocin. And that piece of the birth, it's a piece of birth. It gets done. Mm-hmm. You need it for your sexual health. And you need it for healing, just to bring that skin back together. Um, so, and so it's you, not the healing; like it heals very quickly. And it's not like yes, it's kind of stingy to pee afterwards, but it's stingy to pee after birth anyway. Mm, mm. Whether you've got the tear or you mm. don't have the tear, like I really, I really just want women to know. 
but it's not this like it's not like if today I suddenly split my vagina yeah. open on something it's not the same thing <laughs> that would be weird it, yeah. <laughs> no like the pain level or the trauma it's but not also like having a trauma we're back to situation um, then we're coming into postnatal care so when a woman gives birth and then she goes home she puts on her makeup and she sits all dressed on a couch at day three and I used to walk into them at day two or day three in their homes and I was a community midwife and I'd be hard I'd be like go to bed please go to bed don't be sitting on the couch all perfect for the visitors on the hard chair yeah, yeah or yeah. even sitting up in the bed when you're trying to heal your vagina and you're trying to feed your baby lie down do you know so I would be a huge advocate for co feeding the baby in the bed lying down that is going to take the pressure off your vagina yeah. it's, it's when the women are doing mm. a huge amount of sitting albeit even in the bed they're not even in that laid back position you've got pressure you mm. might be fine all day and come eight o'clock at night and Whoa. yeah yeah you've got the vagina you know it's yeah. like why we're sitting on it's trying to heal yeah. yeah but a tear they heal really well depending on your pain threshold yeah take some paracetamol i you know i the women get um prescribed for diphene um a suppository of the back that covers them for 24 hours and anti-inflammatory um and take that and don't be sitting on your vagina that's just done a huge amount of work yeah. and then the healing can uh, is 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 less intense you know mm. yeah. so is there any other questions those were the two those are the two that come up always for me is what mm. happens if there's a hemorrhage what happens if there's a tear i think we've covered those and i i definitely when i spoke to anita when i was pregnant and she explained that thing about the the mm. hemorrhaging i was like oh okay no that makes total sense and then that was gone for me yeah. there was no thought process it was just like i feel safe yeah. this is safe and i felt a hundred percent safe like I would give birth again in a heartbeat. Like that, the bit afterwards where the baby didn't sleep, that was the hard bit for me. <laughs> it's the raising but of them. The raising was the hard bit. But the birth was the birth like, thing. yeah. it was just, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I remember speaking to you and I remember being, you know, when you go into kind of the more natural birthing sphere, every, sphere people tend to use terms like rushes and surges instead of contractions. I remember, and I remember this conversation. Us having a conversation, me being like, I'm trying not to use those terms. About <laughs> <laughs> like pain. And, you know, I'm going to tell you my to, side of the story yeah. <laughs> and he And you were like, no, just to be clear though, like it will be intense like there is going to be some sensation that's painful there mm. so like don't go into it and I remember like I remember Dom being a bit like oh, I really didn't like her saying that like I, I didn't like her putting that on you because you were trying to go into it like this positive mindset orgasmic birth and whatever mm. but I remember when it came up to it when it came when the first contractions hit I remember being like oh, I'm so glad that she said that I'm so glad that she said to me that there, and I say it to all the women now mm, that I do, just to be clear yes. about it. It is an intense sensation. It's not like no, and some people can have a, just yes, a, a birth where they either are orgasmic or they really just don't feel any mm. strong sensations. But that was not the case for me. Whilst saying that, it was the most intense physical sensations that I could have had. But there was no point that I went. I think I need some pain relief. And I'm not a strong, I'm like a wimp. Mm. Like, I'm not a person who goes around going like, whew, real strong all the time. like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> but so that's really interesting because I often think about that because I'm a hypnobirthing trained instructor as well. And when I'm, when I'm giving the, the classes, you know, and we're talking waves and we're talking surges. And yes, they are. As a midwife now, you know, I, I swim in the sea every day and I watch the waves and I think, mm. oh, there's another one coming. There's another one coming. And that, that is birth. From mm. a very romantic position of mine as, as a midwife, but I remember that day and I remember thinking, 
you know, oh dear, I said the contraction word to this hypnobirthing, homebirthing couple. Oh, and I, I still carry that with me. Really? But I remember the day I came to see you postnatally and I was like, so do you still think that they were waves? And you were like, hell no, they were contractions. And I thought, oh, thank God. Okay, because, you know, I do a lot of word association with my clients when I'm doing birth prep with them. And, you know, so we go through like contraction. Yes, I know hypnobirthing, all these things will tell us, oh, that's a harsh word and it brings up harsh feelings. But a contraction is also, it's an intense, it's a movement mm. of a muscle mm. and it's a strength behind mm. it. And there's strength behind yeah. those. And when they're coming at you like waves in the mm. storm, yeah. um, they they can... It, it is a different sensation. Yes, it's intense. And yes, women can do it. But when they're, once again, at home, safe, their vulnerability is being allayed because they, they, they're looking around with people who are mirroring mm. this. this. And then. I think for me, like I knew, I know a thing that comes up a lot around home birth is that people always say, said to me and people say to women, oh, geez, you were very brave. You were very brave to birth at home. And I was like, no. I didn't feel like I was brave at all. I felt like I would have been brave going to the hospital. And the reason for that was because hospitals scare the shit out of me. Yeah. So I knew if I was going to the hospital, I would be in a state of adrenaline and panic. And that is not conducive to me opening, relaxing, and all the things that are gonna help that passage during my birthing time. So for me, my safe place was home. It was in my space with my smells. I knew my couch, my mm. dog was there, mm. you know, and then I'd surrounded myself with a team of people that I felt like this is my team. Just like when you do a marathon yes. and you have the people who are cheering you on and mm. the sidelines and offering you water and all yeah. those things. It was like, here are my people. Yeah. Now I am safe. And that like that absolutely was the case for me. I mean, I didn't feel like it was like. I'm some sort of superior woman who's somehow braver than the other ones. I mean, it definitely wasn't that. It was just like, I knew myself and I knew when yeah. I went there. It was Thanks for bringing go. that up once again, you know, that bravery. Um, uh, so, so women need to birth where they feel safest. So I have this beautiful friend. Um, we're, we're mothering teenagers together now. And when we were mothering our small babies together, you know, she, she was still the mother that would, if there was a temperature or something, like that, she'd bring the children to, to Temple Street. You know, she felt safest in the hospital. And she used to love in birth when she rocked up to the doors of Hollow Street that she'd be like, I'm here now, now I can let go. So that's, if that's the place for you, then that's where you need to go. Well, for safety for me was this as well. It was like, I am... Um, Firstly, the safety comes from knowing that the midwife has your back so you can let go um, and she's th there's a trust in that. And then it's like, yeah, I'm at home. I'm in my space. I can make the noises that mm. I think of I'm going to be really loud. And the bravery about birthing at home, honestly, I've worked in the maternity hospitals here. You need bravery to go in there. Mm. You need to have self-resolve. You need to have a hugely strong birth like partner. Like a suit of armor, yeah. You need to have a suit of armor. You need to have deeply, deeply hypnobirthing to sustain, in my opinion. Um, if you're if you're somewhat trying to consciously birth and physiologically birth, um, you need your bravery all over you yeah. to go yeah. to a hospital. And I think just to you know, um, Ina May Gaskin always mm. talks about sphincter law. I think that's a really important one just to talk about a little bit because. What, what I would say in my classes to women, and I remember reading it in books and it just made so much sense to me, that your cervix works like the sphincter, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you were going to do a poo, 
for example. It's not going to go well for you, usually, to be in a room with bright lights, the doors open, and people coming in and out that you don't know. Like, you're just going to be like... Performance oh, anxiety, I like, it's well known. Yeah, literally, yeah, that's... Yeah. You're going to be like, I'm holding this thing yeah. in. Oh, and, yeah. you, you know, you need to be in a place where you're, like, private and calm mm. and warm enough and not mm. too cold and not people listening, so mm. you can just do whatever you need to do mm. to let that out. Yes. And that is the same for birth. So, sure. you know, the, there are some people, of course, who... Their hospital is their safe place. And they're like, oh, I'm in the right place. Mm. Great. But for most of us, you know, we can't even go to a public toilet and go to the loo. We're just like, oh, just hold it till I get home. All these kids in school, they hold on to their poos all day and then they come home to poo. And it's the same for birth. You need to be in that place where... The cervix is an emotional muscle, okay? Mm. So as a midwife who's worked in the hospitals, I wouldn't do um, any amount of vaginal examinations anymore generally in birth. I might do one or two per birth um but but so it's an emotional muscle because sometimes in the hospital setting it was my only tool um apart from my innate ones but they're 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 not really allowed to expand in the hospital setting so a woman that i might have been caring for all day and um and built relationship with and birth was flowing and i might have examined her and i know this happened a few times i got into so much trouble that i would say you know she's eight centimeters you know with my fingers so i'd be able to put my fingers up and feel the cervix in between my fingers and mm. definitely progressing definitely eight you know thinking hey this is amazing this woman is progressing and then change of shift would come and i would hand over to another midwife who maybe was working on a different energy level and a different mindset and mm. would come in and we'd have to do this handover she- I remember two of the instances where that midwife never looked at the mother and said hello, you know, I'm so-and-so, and there was no gentle transition. And, uh, and the next day I'd come into work and I was like, you said that woman was eight centimetres and she was only three. Oh, wow. So and a... this is... Wow. Service is closed. Yeah, yeah. And my... my the the um, really I really say the amazing midwives I worked with in there, they didn't know this language. Yeah. Even as midwives, they don't... They don't it's not they don't, in the training. It's not part of their... Mm midwifery practice mm. and I got into trouble by my managers because they were like you said this you know you said she was eight and then we had to put up oxytocin and then we had to and then blah blah and I just had to mm. smile up. and nod mm. and I had to say because you have no idea that that poor woman whatever happened to her just closed her cervix because she didn't the energy the transfer of care what didn't go well for her isn't it so weird that like um that compassion in that environment isn't particularly where there's there's a direct, I'm sure measurable medical outcome isn't considered a vital part of that process. Like we've had a, a, an amazing doctor on Jane Oiger, a Canadian doctor who's done her, her doctorate, I think, on compassionate medicine. She's trying to introduce it into Irish under undergrad medical training. And I just find it, I mean, it's really shocking when, and she, she's got, she, she's, she's shown that there's outcomes from like doctors staying at a bedside or, you know, passing the blindest, like the tiniest bit of like, how are Eunice into a, you know, into, into a medical setting, that it changes the actual, not just how people feel, but actually changes how they heal. Of course. And how they perceive their pain. But I don't, I don't get why that can't be put in, why it's such a fight. Like, why is it such a fight? We're all humans. Everybody's a human in there. Survival in the system. Yeah. So the system is... is but we created the system. We did create the system, but we're still only at the baby steps of unraveling that system. Okay. Okay, so, so it's, it's heartbreaking. It's mm. a system I couldn't stay in, mm. okay? Because even though I was practicing this mindfulness and this presence mm. with, with women, my colleagues weren't. And because I was part of this team and this flow of break times and this flow of handing over care. Um, mm. So, so it, it, it's there, but it's only in its infancy. Mm. Um, 
and uh, and I know this consciousness is coming. Okay. But it's we're not we're not close. Is yeah. it still largely male led from the top down? No, but or it's it um, masculine energy led. Mm. Mm. I I hope that doesn't sound too hippie. I'm not. Mm. I am a hippie. I'm in my hips. Fine. I love yeah. dancing. <laughs> I, I I love birth. I'm always squatting in birth. So I am actually a hippie, even with shaved hair. Mm. Um. Uh, it it is it, the masculine energy, the medicalized energy of of we know. Um, and yes, they've done all the trains. Those consultants, but I always liken it when I'm telling students or I'm trying to explain this to somebody is that that's the only birth they know. Exactly. That is the birth they know. And I feel for my my obstetric colleagues, like oh, when I hear of an outcome of a birth or something, I think oh, that poor doctor or that poor midwife that was involved in that care of that case. Mm. It, they only see tragic birth they do they see they're called in as junior doctors junior edges coming up coming up they're the ones called in to deal with the hauling out of babies or the bleeding or those things like that they have never never mm. seen physiological birth peaceful quiet physiological birth because that's not their remit and they are called to theater mm. while we might be in witnessing in a hospital room you know um we might be witnessing the sacredness of a beautiful birth. Mm. They don't get to see it. They, it is not. They don't have any cellular understanding of this. Mm. So, um, so the 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 energy of that is uh, they get to see the tragic yeah. things, mm. and and they carry a lot in their hearts from from the scenarios. I well believe it. No, carry it, yeah. But so then, you know, then you build up a, a wall of fear. You build up barriers that would mm. keep their practice going that way. And so then we have that. that uh, did stage. Did you have this emotional language from? A tot, or where did you get this from? Oh, I'm learning every day. God, I, I, I wish I. Uh, so um, yeah, I think I, I was I was born to do this emotional work. It wrecks okay. my head every day. I had a bad day yesterday. You know, I really feel um, feel a lot. But I, you know, mm. to be here talking about what I'm passionate with, you're seeing me in all my mm. finest glory of of belief. Um, I think I really I was always awakening in life. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, but I think definitely from my from my thirties to now, I'm like, um, seeing seeing stuff. And did your own birth births yeah have uh, influence in a major way your own pattern as 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 a, as a practicing midwife? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so my first baby, um, Lucy is um, she's nineteen, and she, uh, I remember I booked with a consultant, and I remember going to the consultant and saying, oh. Um, you know, I have all these questions and the consultant said, stay them for your antenatal classes, come back to me when you're like 38 weeks and I might answer some of them. I went home and I cried, I cried for the day, I didn't know what happened to me. Mm. And then I found the community midwives and I went in and they were amazing. Um, so then, like this paradigm that I want to break is that I said, oh, for the first baby I'll have it in mm. hospital. Please don't do that. Um, because, um, just just because that's the way it was and it was supposed to happen that way i birthed at home like an absolute warrior woman and transferred in and i got amazing midwifery care but lucy was born by uh, von Tuss and episiotomy what's von Tuss? suction okay all oh, right, right okay. um and um and i always think their births are very symbolic of the type of people they are and mm. um, so lucy always had to be really you know she always wanted to go to the party as a child oh. and in the end she was all like i'm not going to that party mm. um so that's uh, that was a lesson i learned then kate um, is um, nearly 18 and she was my first home birth baby and um, she was the big huge whopper um, and I thought, I thought I was going to split open birthing mm. this baby um, and she came at 41 weeks and she's still we call her in my own time Kate because she's just like I'll come 
when I'm ready, no rushing me. Yeah. Um, and so I learned a lot um, through that. Um, and then I knew home birth was the place for me. I remember just getting on and, you know, having contraction surges, waves, um, and then getting back up and just finishing the little jobs that I wanted to do, like, I don't know, folding Lucy's laundry before I um, uh, went mm. on and, and had another contraction. It was just normal. I felt safe. Um, and then with Kate, uh, with Dan, he's going to be 16. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was my first birth with Philomena. I knew her. She came to me. She never touched me in birth. She just stood behind me. I still have visions of her just on in her bare feet, just padding behind me. You don't have to be in your bare feet. It's not a hippie thing. Um, <laughs> but she didn't touch me. Mm. She said, you've got this. It's okay. okay. You're nearly there. Her and you didn't want the contact? Was, uh, no, you don't really. No, okay. I didn't want to be touched in birth. Um, but what my mean is she didn't touch me. She didn't vaginally examine me. Okay. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So she's still massaging your shoulders my, and yeah. looking after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. um, Brian did that, their dad, actually. But yeah. Philomena just watched. Mm. She trusted she told me by her standing there, I see you, you're birthing your baby. Yeah. You have this in her. Just when she spoke to me, she'd say, Ali, you're doing it. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do this. You are doing it. It's a, I bring her to birth with me every time because mm. I'm like, yeah. Because mm. when you say, I can't do this, it's too hard. That somebody says, well, you're actually doing it. You're in the middle of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then Anna, um, she's going to be 14 and... Um, she uh, she came really quickly. She came before I had my coffee in the morning. We always laugh. It was like quarter to 11. And I was like, what? I haven't even had coffee. I've had a baby. <laughs> um, she came really quickly. And uh, and once again, it was just that I didn't have to go anywhere. There wasn't that needing to get into the car, that needing to. As a midwife, you'll probably experience it. Well, maybe you're not seeing birth, but it's just like you never forget the feeling when a woman is, is having a contraction. You know, I feel it in yeah. my cervix and my uterus and, I yeah. can, and I'm holding with her and I'm like, just out breath, you know, focusing on your out breath because you're like, this is happening to your mm. body. So, but I never, ever want to be uh, uh, disrespectful to Philomena. Philomena was not a mother. So, so okay, you don't yeah. have to be a mother yeah. to be a midwife. And she's famous, famous as being. Famous, like she, famous she as being. She was famous. And her yeah. anniversary is on the twenty second yeah. of March. So, oh. um, she, uh, but she, she, she worked in with all the Aboriginal communities. Like, wow. uh, and he's like miles away from any obstetric care at all. And, and never had she, her own. That's very interesting. No, right. she didn't. It wasn't supposed to be for yeah, this life, yeah, obviously. Yeah, okay. but no, she. But it's so interesting it. to know that somebody can be in that space yeah. and be as as. Yeah, a few of my colleagues are yeah. not mothers yeah. yet. Whether you know, by choice or whatever they uh, so no yeah. no because sometimes when I met student midwives I would say ah oh, there you are you 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 it's it's there's an essence mm. okay that's um, okay there's a presence thing as well isn't it it's it's an energetic thing but I think one thing that I would say is that when you have a home birth and you get to have that physiological birth mm you feel like you did it yourself and that's an amazing thing i think going into motherhood you know those fir- that first while it's so vulnerable it's so raw when you like for me the amount of times in these past years that i've gone you know and i'm having a tough time or mm. you know whether you're just so sleep deprived or any of those things you're like oh god you look back and you go no hang on i gave birth to my baby yeah. like i did that at home on my own great and then it gives you this massive power of going i can do anything it does and i think you need like it's so i just feel like the more women that get an opportunity to feel the empowerment of knowing like 
I can birth my baby. I don't need someone to come in and deliver my baby for me. I deliver it. That gives you the tools to go into motherhood and have that like inner strength. There's two things that I always love, um, especially when birth is that when when you see those, if somebody's taking photographs, and I do try, apart Mm. from busy, I try and get my second midwife to take photographs because you get that look of... Hmm. You know, not the first minute or two, but about either just at the moment of birth or, or then about five minutes later, you get this glow from the woman and she is all alive. Everything in her is alive. She's birthed a human. She, she did it. And it's such a powerful sentence. Um, and um, what was the other thing I was going to say it was about that? Um, oh, I had friends. So when I was birthing my babies 20, kind of 20, 15, 20 years ago, you were you were allowed through the HSE. Philomena would have caught a lot of what we call VBAC babies. So mm. women who'd had previous cesarean sections, generally all my friends that had failed inductions um, and then they were broken after that. And then they went on to have their other babies at home and they changed as women. They will mm. tell you to this day um, that, you know, 20 years later, that the minute they pushed that baby out at home after having a cesarean birth and the second babies, they changed. It changed how they saw themselves, it changed how they mothered, it changed who they were fundamentally, and they got that inner strength of, I am woman. Mm. Yeah. Big big thing. It's a huge thing. So, if people Mm. are inspired to look into home birth, if they want to contact you, if they want to find out more information, what is the best way to reach you? Okay, so I um, I work in the Dublin area. You will find us on the HSE website. So all of the HSE midwives that offer that free home birth service are on that HSE home birth page. Other than that, we're, we're all on Facebook and Instagram. So I am uh, Midwife Ali on Facebook. Uh, and I am midwife underscore Ali Dublin, I think, on Instagram. Um, but other than that, we all work as a team. So, um, so you'll find us once you get one of us, we'll pass. If we're too busy, we'll we'll pass your number on or give you all the other numbers. But but we are there and we're waiting for you. Um, mm. and we're ready to be your midwife. What an amazing service, Scotty! What an amazing service. I, um, I don't get I'm... to give birth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really jealous. I agree. I genuinely am. Absolutely. It's it, like it. It's. I mean, I can understand so much, so much of what, you know, has patriarchally come to pass makes sense when I sit here feeling what I'm feeling, but it's a little club I can't join. No, you, you can't. But yeah. yeah, it but, is. But it, like, it, and, it, and it's an amazing thing that, uh, that we don't, you know, give enough reverence to. And I think it's a really nice thing that, um, that there can be things that, that men and women do individually and do, you know, for themselves and that it strengthens and empowers them without, without it's not exclusory even though it's exclusive if that means yeah, yeah, makes yeah. sense or whatever yeah. I know. Um, is it i mean we need to bring the sacredness back to birth absolutely um, and, the and you're making it sound like it is which is oh, which is beautiful it, it can like, really be and, yeah. and i this is what this is what's being lost mm. is that it is a sacred mm. event like i'm working i'm like um I'm, I, I i pause at birth but then i'm busy but to watch sacredness unfold or sometimes when i'm squatting and i'm just waiting for babies i'm watching their heads come down and i'm there's a moment usually where it can go quite quiet and i just think i just look around the room and i go oh my god this is profound it's a big deal it's a big deal and Mm. there's this beautiful moment of sacredness and then to to wrap a beautiful family up in bed tuck them up in bed and to know that the world is a better place mm. uh, is 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 
it's what it's it's what I do and and um, you know we were talking about I mean I have huge risk huge vulnerability huge that and then when I come and I speak about what I do I mm. just I feel yeah, yeah. I feel You're in the right three place. times the size of the mm. woman that I was when I walked in it's mm. like okay Al mm. yeah. <laughs> just you know yeah, you're clearly in the right place. Fair dues. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for all your help all those years ago. Oh, you're welcome. It's beautiful to reconnect with you and to and and this is it. You know, this is it's just an essence between us. It's like there's this little thread mm. that just runs yeah, yeah, through through. Going. Yeah, and yeah. it's so it's so great, Lydia. Mm. So, so great. thank you for. Fair I always say to the families. Don't think I am privileged to be here. Yes, I need to get paid. Yes, I need to uh, earn a living. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish I could, but I do. I need to uh, raise my teenagers and mm. uh, pay for my car to get to you. Um, but it is a privilege mm. to be asked in to homes and be given that respect of a midwife uh, mm. to your family. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for watching. Um, watching somebody discuss really how like they are truly in their vocation and tell you somebody who's earning their living, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Oh my god. So um yeah, uh, stay in touch. We, this is only part of our, our pregnancy and and um and birth uh and beyond. A, and beyond series. So um there'll be lots more to come and uh, stay tuned. You find us obviously on iTunes, on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, thanks for and watching. And we will put a link to all the ways you can contact Ali yeah. in the footnotes. Hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thanks. okay. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Well done. Very good. You remember. <laughs>